Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and we're at the ISMG Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit outside Washington, D.C. I'm joined by Jeremy Grant, Managing Director at the security consultancy, the Chertoff Group, and former head of the federal government's National Strategy for Trusted Identities in Cyberspace, known as NSTEC. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks. Great to be here. What do most organizations do wrong in implementing an identity and authentication strategy? Well, I think at a high level, a lot of them don't really have a great strategy around identity and authentication. And, you know, for years, you've seen identity, you know, be looked at as something that, oh, we'll, we'll make this a function of HR, we'll make this a function of systems management, or, you know, more recently, it's pivoted to be a security priority because of so many identity-centric vectors of attack. The problem is if all you're looking at is, you know, closing a uh, security hole or showing that you've got some compliance certification, you're really missing a lot of the opportunity around how identity can be what I like to call the great enabler, more frictionless experiences, both for your employees and partners, but also for your customers. And let's talk about security as an enabler. How so? Good security, we think, when it is designed and deployed in a thoughtful way, one that actually focuses on putting the customer, whether that customer is your employee or an actual customer who's paying you at the center of the experience and looking for ways to make things easier for them, essentially simple matter, makes them like you more. They have an easier time getting into their accounts each day at work and the different uh, services that they use, or if it's a customer, they have an easier time conducting business with you. You know, one of the worst things you can do, for example, on the customer side is ask somebody to have to create a username and password in order to check out. Nobody really likes doing that. In fact, some would say it you know, amounts to abusing your customers. If you can take advantage of ways to let them leverage some trusted identity that they already have, and by the way, you know, in some cases that might be something that's really simple, like you know, their Google or Facebook account, and in other cases it might be something that's much more uh, robust, say from their bank or you know, another high assurance service, you basically streamline their experience, you know, give them a much quicker way out the door, and they might even like it enough to come back again. You say that authentication is critical to encryption. Please explain. Encryption and authentication really go hand in hand. One of the places we saw this most recently was last year's OPM hack, where there were a lot of armchair security quarterbacks who came out you know, in the weeks after and said, well, it was ridiculous that this information was stolen. Why wasn't it encrypted? Not to say that was a terrible thing to say on Monday morning, because encryption is certainly important, but encryption is only as good as the key that you use to unlock it. So if you're putting in a really snazzy, say, 4096-bit encryption system, and then the key to unlock those encrypted systems is a six-character password, you're not actually doing too much to protect your data. And in fact, you know, what we learned in the aftermath of the OPM hack was, you know, the way that attack was executed was from a contractor password at OPM that was stolen and then used to get into systems, uh, used to escalate privilege, used to access things that that contractor credential shouldn't have been used to access. Assuming there was encryption in place, if it was just that password that was needed and not something stronger, the encryption wouldn't have mattered. You advocate something called the five A's, authentication, authorization, administration, analysis, and audit. We don't have time to explore each one, but I'm interested in one of those areas, analysis. How do you analyze this and why is that important? Well, I think particularly within the enterprise, when you have different people who are legitimately credentialed and they're legitimately authorized to do some things and not others, you know, one thing we're seeing these days is the attackers are getting more sophisticated. So they might be able to compromise a legitimate credential, even one that's got some form of multi-factor authentication. They might be able to get in and start to use, you know, some tools that they have on their side to elevate their privileges. At some point, you want to have something that's taking a, a holistic look at everything that's going on in your system. Who's accessing data? What are they doing with it? Are they uh, doing something that is well outside the norm? And how do you use that to then trigger additional controls? Certainly, if we go back to, say, you know, what the NSA dealt with with Edward 
Snowden, whether you think he's a hero or a criminal, setting aside that fact or that, that discussion, the fact is you, you know, hope an organization that has high-end information, uh, very valuable information, say like an intelligence agency, would have some sort of analytics in place to determine that if somebody who's generally only, say, doing five different things every day in their job, and now they're suddenly engaging in 25 different types of transactions and downloading terabytes of data instead of just megabytes, that might trigger an alarm that that credential is being used for something that's not normally being used for. And I think, you know, certainly when you see how the government's been responding to some of these breaches over the last couple of years, they're looking at analytics. We see a lot of major companies looking at the same as well for that reason. Thanks, Jeremy. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks. That's Jeremy Grant of the Chertoff Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.